welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Welcome back to this third part of our three-part series featuring our good friend, Dr. Charlie Reznikoff, um, talking about different opioids and music and rock and roll and... All types of music. All types of music. Do you want to share what he's talking about this week, Kurt? Yeah, I'm, I I think I don't know. Uh, he's actually talking about <laughs> songs that uh, people have written who did not actually use heroin. Yeah. So that's a little bit different angle. Yeah. So yeah, it's good to it's good to do these. I'm really excited about um, the last two and this one is is kind of unique in its own way. But this is people who didn't really use opioids singing songs about opioids. So there's something a little kind of interesting about that. First of all, most of these most of these songs are like typical for the artist, right? Like they're not they're not like breaking from their norm to do this special song about opioids. They're just like this is just another song I'm playing. The topic is opioid. Um, sometimes that's the case. They're, they're, the production is slick, you know, they're just trying to sell albums. Maybe they're trying to help their community, but they're doing it from the outside and not from the inside as someone who's ex- you know, lived it themselves. None of these experience ones that you kind of looked into, it wasn't like that family experiences. Sometimes they do. Okay. Sometimes. So I'll talk about some of those direct experiences uh, that informed them. So sometimes it's very heartfelt and sometimes it's a little cheesy, honestly. So we'll talk about, we'll talk about all of that. Um, the first one um, I want to talk about is Neil Young. So Neil Young had two songs specifically about heroin overdoses, uh, The Needle and The Damage Done. And tonight's the night. And so Neil Young in the early Neil Young used a lot of drugs, uh, apparently, supposedly a lot of cocaine and marijuana and other drugs, whatever. Uh, but was alcohol, but wasn't a big opioid user reportedly. However, um, a member of his band, his band was called Crazy Horse, Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Yeah. A member of his band uh, died of a heroin overdose in 1971. And not long after that, a roadie, one of his road crew, died of a heroin overdose um, just, I think, within a year. And um, that road guy, the road crew, died alone in a hotel, right? Like, it's just brutal. And so here he is, like a young, successful musician, and two of his you know, kind of intimate colleagues, close colleagues and fellow musicians die. So he wrote two different songs about those deaths, eulogizing those deaths. That's um, one is called Needle and the Damage Done. And it's sort of like a very spare acoustic song, just him playing his acoustic guitar. And it's on the album Harvest. Uh, great album, great song. Um, and that's the Needle and the Damage Done is Neil Young observing not just his fellow bandmate in Crazy Horse who died, but all the other musicians that are dying of heroin overdoses. I mean, 1971, you had, you had Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, and on and on and on. Who knows? You know, Brian Jones from the Rolling Stones. All these guys are dying left and right. And some of them, he said, people don't even realize how good they haven't broken as they're not, they're not huge musicians yet. It's just an, a talent no one will ever know because they die before they have a chance. So he was really, so the needle and the, the damage done, the damage done is the loss to the world of all these beautiful artists. All this potential. All this potential. So, um, so anyways, 
the needle and the damage done. Some lyrics are, because uh, people, because people, let me tell you, it sent a chill up my, uh, chill up and down my spine when I puck, picked up. Oop, no, that's the next song. You the, know, the needle, the needle song. You realize we don't edit. Okay, well that's all right. You may, <laughs> maybe I screwed up. That was that was tonight's the night. Needle and the damage done. I've seen the needle and the damage done. A little part of it in everyone, but every junkie's like a set in sun, right? So it's just a little. It's a short song, but he's saying every junkie's like a set in sun. We don't call them junkies anymore. They're individuals with opioid use disorder. But in 1972, that's what you called it. And he was talking about his friends who died of heroin overdoses, untimely deaths. So. Every junkie's like a set in sun, and so I've so he's warning people. I've seen this damage done. Don't be don't be a, a number. Don't be a casualty. Um, tonight's the night is about his roadie who um, uh, who died alone in in a hotel. So because uh, people, let me tell you, it sent a chill up and down my spine when I picked up the telephone and I heard he died out on the main line, and that's uh. Uh, that's about his uh, his friend who died of a heroin overdose. So uh, Neil Young, Needle and the Damage Done, and Tonight's the Night, great examples of he didn't use the drugs, but he saw people hurting from it and wanted to say something. I wonder if, uh, you know, because you said he used a bunch of other drugs. Yeah. If there was a, a way of looking at that because they weren't maybe seen as dangerous as the heroin. Yeah. And so not that he was advertising, hey, use these instead, but still just. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people, Today, we think of cocaine as being incredibly destructive because we lived through the crack era. And we saw like just neighborhoods, families, a generation of people destroyed by crack. I think in the 70s, even in the early 80s, people were pretty casual about cocaine. And it's kind of, it was not as scary as heroin, which people died from. Well, you know, it's funny because if I think that far back, I mean, <laughs> yeah, because and, you were the only one of us old enough to remember that far back. Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually alive at that time. Uh, but you know, you never heard about heroin back then. Oh, I mean, you really didn't, accept, unless the star died yeah. or a musician died. I mean, whereas now it's so different. Where, I mean, and that seemed like a big city problem back then. Yeah, as opposed to now, where we're in these little towns and we have heroin. Uh, you know, everywhere, basically. Yeah. It, it has to do with establishing drug trafficking trade routes. And so apparently in the a huge issue was the Italian or Sicilian mafia got heroin trafficked through Africa and brought it to New York City in, in affecting the musicians of the 50s, 60s, 70s. So a lot of this came through New York City into this sort of the cultural milieu of New York City in that era. And yeah, a lot of the middle of America was not as affected by heroin. Yeah. Park um, Rapids, population yeah. <laughs> six. No. Nice. All right. You ready for the next song? You'd rarely even see ibuprofen <laughs> in that town. <laughs> nice. Uh, James Brown, King Heroin. So James Brown, this to me is just a Kind of a cheesy song. I love James Brown, the hardest working man in show business. Like he, he had just great music. I, I loved his his drummer, the funky drummer, Clyde Stubblefield, was in my hometown, Madison, Wisconsin. So, I, I love James Brown. I love James Brown's work, but this particular song I could do without. Like it's just like a cheesy funky beat with him reciting a poem over that over that funky beat. 
And um, <laughs> and so this is a poem written by someone else. And so he just basically took a poem and, 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 and recited it over funky music as sort of like a public service announcement. Don't do heroin. Um, of course, James Brown... Um, didn't himself do heroin, to my knowledge, but had a lot of struggles with cocaine, especially in the 80s and some legal issues. James Brown died of heart failure in 2006. Ah. Um, so I think this is a little cliche, but I'll read some of the lyrics. So squirm with discomfort, wiggle and cough. Six days of madness, you might throw me off. Curse me in name, defy me in speech, but you'd pick me up right now if I were within your reach. Behold, you're hooked. Your foot is in the stirrup, and make haste, mount the steed, and ride him well, for the white horse of heroin will ride you to hell. Ride you to hell until you are dead. Dead, brother. Dead. Harsh. Uh, yeah, I know. Wow. Pretty, that's a warning. <laughs> <laughs> I feel warned. R- don't r- use heroin. Yeah, Got ride, it. Check. <laughs> ride that white horse to hell. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's James Brown, King Heroin. Just interesting that the white horse, you know, yeah, and if right. this is New York, you know, was that the China White or was this right, the exactly. Black Tar? Yeah, exactly. Mm. So they must have been, yeah, he must have been referring to a different product there. Well, because there's, there's not his yeah. experience, so he yeah. <laughs> brought yeah, someone so, else's poem across the country. Yeah, so that's, that's a good point is that there is these different products and usually black or brown represents heroin, black tar or brown heroin. In a prior podcast, purple represented purple drank codeine. So purple meant opioids. And in that poem, white meant opioids. So I guess it does depend on the source and what specific type of drugs they're using. Um, oh, the opposite, really artful lyrics is Joni Mitchell. Oh, so sure. yeah, Joni Mitchell is like, she's kind of got an interesting sound. I didn't quite get her at first, but then once you get into her, Man, she's just like a beautiful singer and a beautiful lyricist. So Joni Mitchell was dating James Taylor, who I who I mentioned earlier right. had a terrible heroin addiction. I mentioned that because James Taylor gave heroin to John Lennon, getting him addicted. That was a prior podcast. So um, James Taylor was dating Joni Mitchell, and they were on tour together in 1971. And Joni Mitchell did not herself use drugs. Uh, she used maybe a little marijuana, not heavily, though smoke cigarettes. She's not a heavy drug user, but she was dating this bad, bad heroin addicted person. And so she wrote this beautiful song called Cold Blue Steel and Sweet Fire. And she released that song in 1972, sort of about her observations about heroin addiction. And um, it's a classic Joni Mitchell, just like beautiful lyrics, very interesting harmony or melody. Um, And I'm going to read some of the lyrics, but the lyrics as a non-heroin user, she captures like every metaphor for heroin addiction in her lyrics. And it's there. And it's like reading, I don't know, Shakespeare or something. It's like poetry. <laughs> uh, it's, it's above my head. Okay. You're ready. So a wrist, a wristwatch, like time, but also pawning a wristwatch, gotcha. a wristwatch, a ring going round and round in circles, like a ring, but also pawning a ring, a wristwatch, a ring, a downstairs screamer, edgy black cracks of the sky, Pin cushion prick fix this poor bad dreamer. Money, cold shadows reply. Pawn shops crisscrossed and padlocked. Corridors spit on prayers and pleas. Sparks fly up from sweet fire. Black soot of lady release. Come with me. I know the way, she says. It's down, down, down. The dark ladder. Do you want to contact somebody first? Does it really matter? Or if you come now, or if you come later? So it's like 
it's got everything in it. I mean, it's got like you're desperate for money. You go to pawn shops. You run, you know, it's got references to time. It's got references to needles. It's got um, references to fire, sweet fire, and lady release going down into a dark hole. And it, do you want to contact someone first before you use heroin? You could do it now. Maybe it doesn't even matter. You're either going to use this now or you're going to use it later. You know, it's dark. You know, I wonder if some of that, you know, just the way she lays that out, it's like that whole ritual yeah. that, uh, you know, that raises those dopamine levels. Yeah. Re- really, even before you use, yeah. it's all the fire, you know, that oh, eating yeah. up your spoon, that whole that whole ritual that, that kind of defines addiction. Yeah. She's trying to describe that ritual to try to pull the dopamine to a different source instead yeah. of the like heroin. The whole like process from stealing stuff to pawn it all the way from right before you inject, wondering whether this is going to be your last injection. All these steps are just like very beautifully and concisely laid out in her lyrics. It's pretty wow. interesting that it's the blue is in the title you typically think yeah. about that now more with fentanyl. Yeah, that's a good. Is more blue just to. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I don't know if it's blue like you overdose and you go blue, or you're sad blue, but yeah, or sad blue. Yeah, know. that's a good. That's uh, yeah. That's just how they compare. Sometimes, if the the product they picked up is more fentanyl, it it burns more blue. Yeah, and she talks about the black soot of Lady Release, so she's still calling heroin black. Yeah, the so blue is something else. Yeah, it's interesting. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah, it's cool, cool, and then a much less poetic, but uh, a much more straightforward song is Leonard Skinnerd, "The Needle in the Spoon." And <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm a I big, don't get it. <laughs> I'm a big Leonard Skinnerd fan. Are you? So, are you kidding? Oh God, yeah. I had, oh, all, nice. I had all those. Okay, albums. Yeah, again, those are those yeah. round Records. things on yeah. like the turntable thing. It was, I had a turntable. Yeah. Very nice one. Well, needle. Well, okay, Leonard Skinner. They drank a lot, and they, they drank used, a ton. Yeah, and they yeah. did mostly alcohol. But they used some uppers too. So there's that song, that smell. Ooh, that, that smell. smell. Yeah. <laughs> That's about smelling the booze on someone, you know? The smell is all around you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so Leonard Skinner, uh, they drank a lot. They didn't use a lot of opioids. But they wrote this song. I got a theory about this song. So if you know there's a feud between Leonard Skinner and Neil Young, because Neil Young wrote this song, uh, Southern Man, in which he criticizes... Uh, Southern people for being backwards or whatever, racist. I don't know. You well, read and it the, said something about the women. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's so so Neil Young's going after the Southern man, and 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 Leonard Skinner comes back with Sweet Home Alabama, and they and they call out Neil Young by Aww. name, like Neil Young, we don't want you around, anyways. Yeah. Uh, but then Neil Young comes out with Needle and the Damage Done, and Leonard Skinner answers with Needle, Needle and the Spoon. spoon. So I, that's my theory. And the timing fits that theory, but I, you know who knows, whatever. So they they put this song out, and it's it's a cool Leonard Skinner song. I mean, it's a good guitar solo. It's it's a cool production. It sounds great. I, I it's not like a compelling drug song. The lyrics are kind of okay, but it's a it's a slick song. I I love the guitarist. I think they're a great guitarist. So um, yeah, kind of I put it in the James Brown King heroin camp. It's a little bit cheese ball for me, but um, the. But the one thing I would say it's cool about this song is the song starts with someone coming back from a 30-day rehab. And he, 30 days, Lord, and 30 nights. I'm coming home on an airplane flight. Mama waiting at the ticket line. Tell me, son, why do you stand here crying? I've been feeling so sick inside. I got to get better, Lord, before I die. Seven doctors couldn't help my head. They said, you better quit, son, before you're dead. 
I've seen a lot of people who thought they were cool, but then again, Lord, I've seen a lot of fools. Well, I hope you people, Lord, I hope you hear what I say. You'll have a chance to hit it someday. So they're mm-hmm. saying like, you know, you think you're cool using heroin, you could die. Right. And this is this is told from the person who's coming back from a 30-day rehab stint. So it's kind of cool. I kind of cool to hear them singing. I like the song. I, you know, I, this song I listened to in high school. So I, you know, I was give me three steps and free bird and all those classic Leonard Skinner songs. I loved all those songs. And so this was one that I was listening to from way back when. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the special on them, but they, they talk about how they would wheel in all these cases of whiskey <laughs> uh, before they played and that everybody would just guzzle this stuff. Down. Oh, and it's, it's like brutal. How do they, yeah. yeah they how'd you function? Yeah. And especially some of those, Guitar solos are very demanding. I mean, those are really, when they played them in the... Muscle memory. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how they didn't have to get off the stage and go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's the way a woman thinks. Go to the bathroom. (laughs) Empty their bladder. That's when they give the guy a drum solo. And they go out to take a leak and drink some more whiskey. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. All right. So the next song is, I I think, one of my favorite songs. And I heard this song. It's just, this album changed my life. You Two Joshua Tree. Uh, And they had the song Running to Stand Still. And uh, Running to Stand Still gets at a couple really uh, cool things that I'm going to call out in the next few songs as well. So You Two Joshua Tree, by far, they're, I mean, just mega, mega, huge hit, huge hit. I mean, just, they were the biggest band in the world. And they had this song about heroin called Running to Stand Still. If you didn't know, and I have a friend who's a musicologist, and I was running this by him, this, uh, you know, all this information I'm giving in this podcast. And he was like, dude, I did not even know that Running to Stand Still was about heroin. And he's a music historian and he loves that song. Beautiful, beautiful song. So Bono grew up in this area of Dublin that was very affected by a heroin epidemic in the 1980s. And right in his neighborhood, there was a housing project where it was just ravished by heroin and, and, and uh, or ravaged by heroin. And, um, yeah, ravaged is something else. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going <laughs> with is, that. This is live. Yeah. You were just going to let him yeah, go. Yeah, let me go. Ravaged by heroin. <laughs> ravish me, heroin. Uh, so, anyways, ravish me, Bono. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so, anyways, ravaged by heroin. Uh, and he's, um, he's, so he's seeing this. He's got friends who get addicted to heroin and all the rest. So this song is a dedication to that neighborhood he grew up in watching the heroin epidemic. Um, but, you know, Bono himself was not a heroin addict. I, I think there was some addiction, like maybe the bass player had some alcoholism or something like that. Um, but, man, this song is so sympathetic and sophisticated um, and is really, really an interesting song about heroin addiction. So uh, Running to Stand Still, first of all, that title um, is about when you get so deep into heroin that you're using just to feel normal. Right. You're running to stand still. Your hustle to get more heroin just so you can feel normal. You're running to stand still. And that contradiction is key that in the next couple songs, people seeing heroin addiction from the outside see it as a contradiction. Yep. You are running to stand still. It doesn't make sense to me. What are you doing? This doesn't make sense. And I'm going to get more to that later. So it's just like a, what is this contradiction I'm seeing? So- Here's here's uh, some lyrics. Uh, step on a steam train. Again, train is like getting stuck on the tracks. Step on a steam train. Step out of the driving rain. Maybe run from the darkness in the night. You got to cry without weeping. Talk without speaking. Scream without raising your voice. She runs through the streets with her eyes painted red. Under a black belly of cloud in the rain. 
In through a doorway she brings me white golden pearls stolen from a sea she is raging. She will suffer the needle chill. She is running to stand still. Wow. Yeah. So pretty intense stuff. And it's like uh, the white golden pearl stolen from the sea. That's like, that's the heroine. And there's the reference to the black cloud and, um, yeah, and all those contradictions. You got to cry without weeping, talk without speaking, scream without raising your voice. That that like that contradiction of addiction is what he's observing and is 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 making him sad and worried. Hmm. So, and do you think that was more from people he had met or seen, or you think that was from when he was young? Uh, that was well. At this time, he was pretty far into his career. Uh, it, supposedly this is from growing up in his neighborhood mm-hmm. and from people he remembered from his childhood. Uh, he was at this point a major musician and maybe he saw it in the music industry as well. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, next one uh, is kind of a fun one. This is one of these songs that got me thinking about this way back when in the 1980s. I was a teenager. Bad Brains is a hardcore band from Washington, D.C., and they sang a song called Don't Blow Bubbles. And I was like, what is this hardcore song yelling Don't Blow Bubbles about? And then I read up on it. And blowing bubbles is like uh, if they're air bubbles in an injection. You don't inject air bubbles when right. you're using heroin because it can cause some damage or whatever. But it's also just don't use heroin. That's what they're really saying. But it's also a warning. It's like it's like harm reduction. <laughs> don't make sure there's the air is out of your needles before you inject heroin or you get yourself in trouble. But it's really about the HIV epidemic in Washington D.C. in the 80s, and there was a ton of IV drug use and HIV in Washington D.C. in the 80s. And Bad Brains was singing this song to warn people: Don't if you inject heroin, you're going to get AIDS. Right. The problem with the song is that it's the language is a little offensive. They have a little bit of homophobic language about, you know, don't have sex with men or you'll get AIDS. They have some, you know, it's just, it's a little bit old-fashioned language. They've since apologized for some of the language in the song, but they're they're a hardcore band. So this is loud. This is angry. This is fast. This is yelling at young people who are at risk of using drugs. Mm-hmm. Hey, drugs could mess you up. So, like, jo- you know, Joni Mitchell is singing a beautiful song about heroin, but realistically... Who's her audience? These guys have the at-risk audience. And they're in D.C. playing hardcore music aimed at the at-risk audience, telling them, don't do this to yourself. Right. Um, you know, the funny thing is that you act like they've apologized, but I've never heard of them. So are they right, still yeah. around? <laughs> uh, I don't. They've had, I don't know if they're around anymore. I mean, they were 80s and 90s, and they were this interesting band that was like a Jamaican reggae style, mm. but also hardcore so they're like dreadlock Jamaican guys. You'd look at a picture, you'd be like, those guys are a Rasta band, but they were in a hardcore band. Wow. I, I, I like them. I think they're great musicians and they have great, you got to like hardcore music though. Mm. So anyways, here are some lyrics. By the way, the, well, I'll ask you at the end. Uh, so uh, we know you can do anything and no thought withheld from thee. So here, I beseech thee to always request and declare I didn't understand that at first. Why do you always request and declare? Don't blow bubbles. Don't blow no troubles. There's got to be a better way. Don't blow no spikes. Ask Ja and he'll make the change. So he's basically saying, if you ask for help, request and declare. If you ask for help from God, Ja, Ja will help change you from a heroin addicted person to a sober person. 
later. Back to the, the 12 steps. Back to the 12 <laughs> steps. Right. Right. Yeah. So like he's, you know, they're basically saying like, you know, don't inject drugs. Ask God for help. help God will help you. And But it's all in the, it's this super angry, loud, hardcore music. It's interesting. Mm. You know, it's interesting what they're saying. But you can see how they're like, they're kind of yelling at people with heroin addiction to believe in God. They're yelling at people with, you know, people who are gay to believe in God and they won't get AIDS. It's not, it's not PC, <laughs> <laughs> not PC. Um, much more interesting coming from the same scene, Washington, D.C. in the 1980s was a guy named I, Ian McKay. Mm. Ian McKay first was in a band, hardcore. So if you don't like hardcore punk music, you wouldn't know who this is. First, he was in a band called Minor Threat, and then he was in a band called Fugazi. Um, I'm going to play a song. For, I mean, I'm going to highlight a song from Fugazi for you. But um, so a couple things. So he he started a movement. I don't think he would say it's a movement, but he started a movement called Straight Edge. Straight Edge is hardcore punk rockers play loud, angry, fast music, but they're sober. And so he didn't use any intoxicants. He didn't let himself have exploitative sexual relationships with women. He had respectful relationships with women. That was part of his credo. And he was a vegan. So this guy was like straight edge. Uh-huh. And, and, so, and so he started this punk movement to basically tell young people, you can be as hardcore as anyone. Doesn't mean you have to do drugs. Doesn't mean you have to eat meat. Doesn't mean you have to exploit women. You can still do all the right things in his mind, the right things, and be a hardcore punk rocker. And so really interesting guy. So he's he came up in the DC area and he saw the same thing Bad Brain saw with all this like HIV and and heroin use and um, he had this great band. This is another band I saw when I was a teenager. This is my brother brought me to this concert as well. It was in the basement of a community center. <laughs> oh goodness! You know, and this and it was. Does mom know about this one? I don't know. It was a slam <laughs> dance. This guy, this guy Ian Mackay was was. Uh, he was like, he wouldn't sign on to a major re- a record label, so he started his own record label. He wouldn't go to a venue. He wouldn't work with Ticketmaster. So he went to community centers. He kept his albums cheap. Tickets to get into his concerts were five bucks. Wow. I mean, he was, he's a cool guy, cool guy. Like, he was, he was legit. Like, he, was, he lived an ethical life. Um, anyways, he's still, I think he's still active. Fugazi is a great band, incredible band. And but you gotta like heavy music. But if you like heavy music, check out those early albums. I'm struggling to think that you like that kind of music, but I like all of it. I like <laughs> I like all music. I, I there's very little music I don't like. So mm. I, you know I like I I've been listening to opera lately. I mean having you bang your head, I'm just not seeing. Oh, that. dude, I did. I was slam dancing. I loved it. <laughs> I was I like this concert in particular was wild. I mean it was so it was just like a bunch of angsty 16-year-old slam dancing, a bunch of boys. So <laughs> <laughs> hang on. Here comes Take a breath. Here comes Heather. Take a breath. So, so we're going to have a, a video blog soon maybe and we'll uh, have Charlie I'll teach you how to slam dance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, uh, I've seen all I've seen almost all these bands I'm talking about. But uh anyways, so Fugazi shut the door. And shut the door has these contradictions that running to stand still has. Um, and I'll, I'll read it for you. And I just think it's such beautiful lyrics. I heard the song and I was like, man, this is incredible. I broke the surface so I can breathe. I close my eyes so I can see. I tie my arms to be free. Have you ever been free? So she's tying her arms. This is about a woman who overdoses. Uh, she's tying her arms to inject heroin. Yeah. So she's tying her arms to be free. Um, she's not breathing. She's not moving. She's not coming back. I burn a fire to stay cool. I burn myself. I am the fuel. I never meant to be cruel. Have you ever been cruel? 
she's not breathing, she's not moving, she's not coming back. And then I didn't include in here in another part, they say, I shut the door so I can leave. So closing the door for privacy so you can inject heroin, right? So I shut the door so I can leave. I break the surface so I can breathe, meaning I inject right. so I can breathe again. Um, I tie my arms to be free. It's like all this like contradictions of addiction that he's calling out. I think it's very interesting, plus a super cool. If you like heavy music, early Fugazi, check it out. <laughs> I'll go back to Leonard Skinner. Leonard Skinner, give me three steps. <laughs> I was cutting a rug down at a place called The Jug. Yeah, that's the song. <laughs> and that album. There we go. Uh, all right. Next song, Johnny Cash. I've been talking about this in the other two two podcasts. It's not Ring of Fire, is it? No, it's it's Hurt. Hurt. He does he does a cover of a Nine Inch Nails song called Hurt. So Johnny Cash was you know, him and his buddy Waylon Jennings. Uh, they were big uh, barbiturates, amphetamines, alcohol, but they actually didn't use that much opioids. Johnny Cash died in 2003 of diabetes. Within a year of his death, like a year before his death, he re- he recorded a cover of Nine Inch Nails' song, Hurt. And man, I love that song. And you just hear a man who's like, you realize he's going to die within a year. And you hear a man looking back on his life about how he's hurt people, how he's been hurt, how he's just suffered. And it's it's just him and an acoustic guitar. Wow, it's powerful. Um, I, I'll, I, before I read the lyrics, I, I want to also mention Trent Reznor is the um, sort of main creative force behind Nine Inch Nails. He was addicted to heroin and cocaine. So his version of this song came out in 1994, earlier. And I could have talked about this in the earlier podcast people were using opioids, but I had too much material in that. But <laughs> I will just say, man, Trent Reznor's version of Hurt is hard to listen to. He's got like this static running constantly. It's just industrial noise. And that 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 version is actually very much like Velvet Underground's heroin. So Trent Reznor's version of Hurt starts this like weird, creepy, calm, slow, static, no beat. And he starts talking about his heroin addiction. And then it builds and builds as the opioids are wearing off and he goes into withdrawal and he starts hurting. Mm -hmm. And so, and then at the climax of the song, there's like pounding beat, there's static distortion feedback. It sounds like industrial noise. I can't, I don't, I don't like that. It's too much for me. But, but he's, if you listen to that version of Nine Inch Nails Hurt and think towards the end when he gets distorted, this is what opioid withdrawal feels like. You get it. Cause it's, you don't want to listen to it. It's so it's painful to listen to. Right. And then he and then he injects again, and the song calms down. Calm, you know, goes back to just quiet static. So the Trent Reznor version of the song is also amazing, but a little hard to listen to. The Johnny Cash version of the song is just like a beautiful acoustic country song. So mm. um, here come the lyrics. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel pain. Um, I focus on the pain. The only thing that's real. The needle tears a hole. The old familiar sting. Try to kill it all away, but I remember everything. What have I become? My sweetest friend. Sweet is often referred to opioids are sweet. That's interesting to me. My sweetest friend. Everyone I know goes away in the end. So I think you're starting to think maybe I am heroin in this song and everyone I know, everyone who gets addicted to me, goes away in the end. You could have it all, my empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will make you hurt. 
So my empire of dirt is all there. Grave. Yeah. It's a heroin and grave. It's what? Yeah, it's both. It's both my grave and my heroin. I think the movie Walk the Line, you know, that oh, was made about yeah. them. That's in there oh, when cool. it's like the part of the movie where things are going very poorly. Yeah, right. So it's just, it's really interesting. It's about a person. It's It's both about a person who gets addicted and is in pain. And then halfway through the song, you realize the person, the the person speaking might be the drug causing the pain to other people. So it's a very interesting song lyrically. Wow. Yeah. Intense. I'm a big Johnny fat Johnny Cash fan. Yeah. I, yeah. I was. Always have been. Folsom Prison. Oh, oh gosh. You yeah. know my dad played those albums. Yeah. Uh all the time. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. He had he had that weird he was both like a bad singer and a great singer at the same time. You know, boy named Sue. <laughs> oh, on. the boys would giggle and I'd turn red. The guys, wait, the girls would giggle and I'd turn red. The guys would laugh and I'd bust their heads. Yeah, that's right. It sure, sure wasn't easy being a boy named Sue. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Oh, man. Kurt's uh, real name is Katrina. Yeah. Uh, Katrina. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's uh, funny. Yeah. Uh, okay. I got one more song. And again, this isn't necessarily my cup of tea. But um, can I stop you a yeah, second, please? You, so you're not going to Kurt Cobain, one of my favorite yeah. all time. No, I, I researched it because I really wanted to find something from Kurt Cobain. And the closest Kurt, Kurt Cobain did not sing about drugs. He saw, he, I mean, he, maybe indirectly, but I couldn't find a lyric that captured what he went through. Of course, like lithium. Yeah, lithium, the pharmaceuticals. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. That would be good. But for the opioids, the closest I got was the song Dumb on in utero yeah. um and i don't know it well but he's talking about a uh, drug addiction i think that's what he's calling dumb but uh yeah i could i could have gone there that's a good point mm. but I, I would reference the song dumb look at the lyrics of that song i think there's some reference to drugs in there well when you do a follow-up to this yeah this tripod of of uh, podcasts we'll, we'll i'll make the next one on some other interesting characters. i am hoping that people will post on your Facebook page all the songs I missed. Because it's undoubtedly... Puff the Magic Dragon? (laughs) 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 Nice one. (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) You you must have lived a clean life. She's too young. I do country music. Uh, Whiskey's about as bad as it gets. Country music's booze and uppers. Yeah. And women. And women, yeah. 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 The country music's not much heroin. Or dogs, like somebody shot my dog. Oh, God. Uh, speak about judging okay so last one i don't don't love this artist i love rap i love hip-hop i just don't love this artist and and um so 50 cent so 50 cent was uh apparently involved in gang activity from his teenage years and he was selling drugs um he supposedly didn't i'm sure he tried them but he didn't use drugs uh himself and he's been incarcerated and people did drive-by shootings at him and he lived a rough life whatever so he does this song called A Baltimore Love Thing. Um, and it's dark, but it's really interesting. So I wanted to call it out. And in it, he says, he's basically saying, your heroin addiction is basically the same as being in a domestic violence controlling abusive relationship. Like that, like heroin is like your abusive boyfriend. And he's singing as that abusive a boyfriend as that addicted drug and actually when you hear the lyrics you're like i can't tell whether he's saying heroin is like an abusive boyfriend or if he's saying abusive boyfriends are like heroin or both like you can't tell which direction it goes but boy it's dark so trigger warning this is dark um 
but he very explicitly calls out some dynamics in domestic violence and likens them to heroin. And I was like, wow, I don't know if 50 Cent, but I'm kind of impressed with what he's saying here. He's like very observantly pointing out this link um, between violence and addiction. So um, I'll read it. There's some profanity that I'll skip over. Um, The fiends need me. I ain't around. They bones ache. Detox, rehab, cold sweat. Watch them shake. I'm not that genie in a bottle. I'm in a bag. Take one hit and slide off to the land of H, man. When when we first met, I thought you'd never doubt me. Now you trying to leave me? You'll never live without me. Girl, I'm missing you. Come and see me soon. I'll tie your arm up. Put that lighter under that spoon. Now put that needle in your arm, princess. Stick it in. Relapse. I'm back, B. Uh, don't even try that again. All that shit you did. You can bleep that out. Uh, all that shit you did. <laughs> I made you feel good. We have a love thing. You, you treating this just like a fling? What we have is more sacred than a vow or a ring. You broke my heart, you dirty bee. I won't forget you did that. If you give birth, I'll already be in love with your kids. So that's like the, if you give birth, I'll already be in love with your kids. Part of that's like neonatal abstinence. You're addicted to heroin. That love that we have is your addiction to heroin that controls you. And if you give birth, your kids are already going to have heroin in their system. I control your family. Yeah, I control your family. Exactly. And it's like, I control your family. If you have a kid, I'll use it to control you. Wow. So it's just, it's heavy. But he he does, I think he, I think it's interesting to make, to tie that link and call it out so explicitly. Mm. Uh, so anyways, dark note to end on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> really with a bang we end here. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. Uh, yeah. I, I got to go take a, oh, geez, I'm just going to yeah. go hit my head on a wall. I, I mean, I think, so good. Yeah. I think, I think through the whole, through the whole, like, there are some amazing themes that come out through from the beginning of the first podcast all the way to the end. And it one thing is interesting is that it doesn't matter if you're like 50 Cent or if you're John Coltrane. There's a lot of similarities that go through this. And some of them are musical similarities, like how they make the, how the drums represent withdrawal and how like sort of calm atonal music represents opioid use. Um, some of the, the language like dig in a ditch, hot and cold, um, people losing their time or losing sense of themselves, uh, brown or black or what different colors represent and, and spikes and where spikes come in. And that's in punk songs and that's in jazz songs. So it's just really cool to see those trends go across the whole trajectory of this music. So well, it just kind of, you know, like goes back to all the first even podcasts we've done with just the whole, it doesn't discriminate. It's anybody in yeah. any decade and any, any type of music. Yeah. Mm, Very interesting. Anyways, thank you for having me. Super fun. Oh, we're going to have you back. There's no doubt about that, Charlie. This is too fun. (laughs) Very interesting. And I think that if people had other other musical thoughts, I think we'd sure love to hear them. I bet Charlie'd love to come back and touch on things that maybe people think he should uh, maybe speak to. Yeah, we'll do a coda. Definitely, uh, yeah. Yeah. Charlie right. will do that, not you, Kurt. No more, no more singing. <laughs> yes, on the next episode, I'll be singing. We'll Pop play, the magic dragon. Name that tune. We'll play name that tune. <laughs> I'll play two notes of a song, and you try and guess it. Barney. Okay, everybody, that is it for today. Um, we have you back next week. Thank you very much. 